In the previous study, we have moved from John 5, 31 to verse 38, passing through a series of witnesses until we come to the witness of the word itself. And the testimony of our Saviour is, And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Well, that wouldn't take a very great deal of examination to come to the conclusion that he at least, least felt that anyone who studied the scriptures with any intelligence would soon come to a knowledge and a faith in himself. Here's the word, him ye believe not. For the only word that those people had in those days was the Old Testament. Matthew, Mark, Newton, John could not possibly have been written when he said these words. Well, now we start then the second part of our subject this afternoon, this stress by our Saviour upon the Scriptures. I think I'm a fairly logical person. I have this feeling that if I had to go into the presence of my Saviour and say, Lord, I thank Thee that Thou hast given me eternal life. I thank Thee that Thou hast granted unto Thee for the forgiveness of sins. But I must say I don't quite agree with you with regard to whether Moses wrote and Isaiah wrote. And You see, could I do such a thing as that? Fancy, fancy accepting eternal life and the forgiveness of sins from someone who didn't know whether the Old Testament was written by Isaiah or whether somebody else did it or whatnot. And yet, that's only a travesty of the attitude of so many. They stand up in a pulpit. They're supposed to be Christian ministers. But they tear the book to pieces. But what was our Saviour's attitude? Surely his challenges. The servant is not above his Lord. Well, my Lord accepted the Scriptures, and I'm only a servant. And this is what he said. Now, our version says, search the Scriptures, which is a very valuable exhortation. But you do know, don't you, that in not only in the Greek language, but in our own and in French and others, you have the same word in spelling, which, by the demands of the context, will have a little shade of meaning different. Now, exactly the same word, you see, this is a command, the imperative, search. But exactly the same word could be an acknowledgement. Oh, he says, I do, you, you do search the scriptures. He was talking to scribes and Pharisees. And a scribe was a man who spent all his days and wore himself out and drove himself nearly blind. What doing? Continuing the Masoretic computation and the marginal notes in the scriptures. They fill hundreds and thousands of scrolls with their collections, their accumulations. Nobody has ever seen, as far as I know, a complete set. They tell you how many times the word, and God said, comes in Genesis. How many times it comes in the whole law of Moses. How many times it comes in the whole Bible. And then you look at them and say, and so what? And God said what? And what are you doing about it? Is it enough for us to go away and say, oh, I know that and God said comes 50 times in Genesis. When you say, has he told you any one thing that you've got to do? And God said, that was the attitude. They could tell you the middle word in any book. And I've met some people who are very much the same. I've mentioned someone who used to come to this chapel. He, he drove me nearly crazy at the finish. I could see him talking to this one. He was talking to that one. Do you know what he was saying? He says, I've read the gospel according to Luke 150 times. And he told me one day. And of course I'm such a rude person. I said, well, 
I said I could walk right through Smithfield Market and come out just as hungry as ever. You've got a tremendous responsibility if you read the Gospel according to Luke 150 times and you don't make a change in your life and you don't see a fullness in Christ as you should. Merely filling your head with text is not sufficient. If you come to 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, sorry, chapter 3, which is the key text for the inspiration of Scripture, you read these words. Verse 15. 2 Timothy 3.15 And from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, so that was commended, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, that is their function. But if you stop there, you've stopped too quick. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible will never save anybody. Any more than a finger post in the road will save anybody. But if the finger post in the road says, turn right for the hospital and you've got an ambulance case and you follow it, oh, that's all right. But to stand and look at the finger post for 24 hours, the man will be dead. So he said, these scriptures are inspired and they bring salvation. But their supreme object is to lead you to the Saviour. It's he that saves. Then he goes on, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we come back again. And my own interpretation, which I stand for, and I commend to you, is that he acknowledged. He was speaking to those who search the Scriptures. He said, oh, you search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. When he was revealed as the giver of life, in him was life. So he said, you see, this very word that you are so full of in letter may condemn you. Let's see it at work. In the first chapter of Matthew, or the second chapter of Matthew, we have Herod very disturbed because he's heard about the possibility of a king being born. And he wants to know what this all means. He's heard about these wise men coming. So he summons them and he says, what's it all mean? Where should he be born that is king of the Jews? And so the scribes and the Pharisees they immediately say, without turning to the book, they didn't go home and look it up and look up a concordance. They said, oh, in Bethlehem, of Judea, for it is written, and they quote. But the scripture gives no indication that any one of those men who knew that scripture said he'd be born in Bethlehem would ever, ever went there. It was the poor ignorant shepherds who went. It was the wise men from the east that went. But the men who knew the scriptures, they never went. So you see, friends, it seems a strange thing in the chapel of the open book to condemn reading the scriptures, doesn't it? But unless the scriptures are read with that thought in mind that their supreme purpose is to make the Son of God live in your heart and mind and affection, understanding and see he feels doctrine and practice and prophecy, it's lost its meaning. And you'll just be one of those people who parade a knowledge uh, like chasing around and say, ask me another. There's nothing in it, friends, except it'll condemn you in that day for knowing the letter and leaving him outside. So we come back. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Why? Well, the next words tell you. Uh, the next words at first seem to have no connection. I receive not honour from men. Don't you see? Immediately, you look the two together, you see, you see the reason why these people who are full of the Scriptures didn't accept him? Why, it would be rather inconvenient, wouldn't it? 
It was the leaders of the Jews, it was the religious leaders of the Jews that were antagonistic to Christ, not the common people. It's actually written in the Gospels, the common people heard him gladly. It was the religious leaders who opposed the Son of God. They received honour from men. They were priests. They were Levites. They were scribes. They were Pharisees. Oh, they were the elite. And they would lose caste if this Jesus of Nazareth were to be acknowledged. So in spite of all the testimony of Scripture, in spite of the fact of Old Testament prophecy pointing all the time, in spite of the witness of John the Baptist, in spite of the miracles that have been wrought, in spite of heaven being opened and the voice being heard, they plotted his death instead of believing him unto life. So he said, And I know you, I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. You have not his word abiding in you, have not the love of God in you, neither one nor the other. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not, now is a bit of prophecy. If another come in his own name, him ye will receive. And the other that's coming in his own name, whom poor blinded Israel will receive, is called the Antichrist presently in the prophecy of the book of the Revelation and elsewhere. This turns back, you see. If you see the truth, and you in any measure willingly shut your eyes, then you may blind yourself to the truth and be turned unto fables. That has been written, and that has happened before. Well, now we go on. How can ye believe which receive honour one of another, and seek not the honour that cometh from God only. So this is a very strong point with our Saviour. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you. Who? Who's going to accuse me, Mike, the scribe said? Moses, in whom you trust. Moses? We be Moses' disciples, we read presently in John 9. Dost thou teach us? Our Saviour said, these men sit in Moses' seat and they usurp authority over you. Moses. We are Moses' disciples, not this man's. Oh, he said, Moses in whom you trust. He accuses you. Now see what he says. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me. Our Saviour is committing himself right to the last, isn't he? He actually said, Moses wrote of him. Isn't he old-fashioned, our Saviour? Fancy our Saviour standing up in the pulpit in some of our fashionable churches, or unfashionable ones to that, and daring to say that Moses wrote anything, let alone that Moses wrote of me prophetically. Yet he says so, without hesitation. And, if you believe not his writings, he puts a challenge to you. How shall you believe my words? Well, the answer is that you won't. All Scripture is one. And if you deny the testimony of one book, you're beginning to deny the testimony of the whole. Now, if you turn the page back in John, see the relationship of the testimony of Moses to the most well-known gospel text, I suppose, in the whole Bible. John 3.16. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. You know it, don't you? Yes. And you notice it starts with the word for. And you know that for indicates that a logical argument is in progress. You couldn't go up to anybody if you got any ordinary sense and say to him, for. Well, he might say five, I don't know, because just about much sense in it. 
Now, what's it connected with? Verse 14. And as Moses, even so, the Son of Man. See? Here again is a connection. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, oh, but you don't tell me you believe that, do you? Well, he said, I do. Do you know I actually heard the principal of a college stand up in public and say, nobody believes that Moses ever led anybody in the wilderness at all. And he said that to a great congregation of Sunday school teachers. He set aside Moses altogether. And as there was a dead silence, I couldn't stick it. I, I had no right to be there at all, but I said, I stood up and asked him a question. I said, you set aside Moses completely. Uh, will you tell me what your attitude is to the last verse in John 5? If you believe not his writings, how should you believe my words? He said, Christ, when he said that, was but an ignorant peasant. See? I said, I knew you'd say that, sir, because I was very polite to him. I said, will you turn to Luke 24? Now, Christ is risen from the dead. If he was an ignorant peasant, he was an ignorant peasant no more. He was a mighty victor over death. And Christ, the risen Christ, endorsed what he'd said already. Listen to what it says in Luke 24, verse 44. He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. So you can't get away from it. What he said earlier, he says, I now say as the risen Christ, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. And if you look at the Hebrew Bible, which is on the shelves there, you'll see it's got three titles. The Law, the Prophets, and the Ketubim, Writings, or the Psalms. He endorsed the whole canon of Scripture in the, in the risen state. Well, there it is. Here we come to a moment of choice. Is this our Saviour or not? Is he our Lord or not? Was he mistaken or not? It involves the whole thing. And as far as we can see, it's all or none. This book has received testimony from Christ, the apostles that were inspired by him, and all the way through there's a consistent harmony. What book has ever been discovered that has been compiled by a number of authors separated by a thousand years or two thousand years between one writer and another, and you can compare one with another and find them all working out in perfect harmony. That of itself is a miracle. Well now, as we've just got a moment or two, chapter one. See the place that Moses is given in chapter one. It says in verse 16, of his fullness of all we received and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I will not attempt to explain, I'll just retranslate, because we've gone over this matter before and the explanations are in earlier studies, but I'll repeat. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace over against grace, the word anti, one sort of grace over against another. Well, what one sort of grace over against another do you mean? Or oh, in the law, we have type and shadow. But in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have true grace, the real thing, not the shadow. John nearly always uses the word true as over against the type, not over against the lie. True bread, the true vine, 
true grace, the real thing. And then in chapter 1, 45, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found him. These men realize that the scriptures, the law and the prophets, have been pointing to this moment. And they said, we found him. And we've already touched upon chapter 3 and chapter 5. Let's finish by looking at chapter 9. These studies are definitely limited. We're not exploring the whole avenue and turning up every stone. We're just giving opportunity to search and see within limits. Chapter 9, 28 and 29. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow... We know not whence he is. What an attitude to take. Our contrary. Our opposite. And so, all the way through the book, you'll discover that Moses, and the prophets, Moses standing for the law, the prophets, the Psalms, or the uh, wisdom literature, the poetic writings, sum up the canon of the Old Testament scripture, and Christ, in his earthly life, in his death on the cross, or the solemnity of it, In that dying hour, as far as I interpret scripture, he went right through Psalm 22 on the cross. He started with the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He reached the words, They pierced my hands and my feet in Psalm 22. And when he got to the words, The kingdom is the Lord's, the dying thief couldn't stop himself any longer. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the last words of Psalm 22 in our version read, He hath done this. Now, though this is in italics, it isn't there. So the last words of Psalm 22 are, He hath done. And it wouldn't take you a very intimate knowledge of language to realize that He hath done in the Old Testament and it is finished in the New Testament are the same. There you've got the words of Christ from beginning to end on the cross, fulfilling everything that was written of Him. And then it says, now, knowing that all things that have been written of him were fulfilled, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Are we going to treat that book lightly that was treated thus by our Saviour? He fulfilled it in the moment of his birth. He fulfilled it through his earthly life. He fulfilled it by dying as he did on the cross as the very Passover lamb. He fulfilled it as the first fruits from the dead. He fulfilled it by the ascension and one day he'll fulfill it by his return, as surely as he fulfilled all else. So I commend it to you, whether you're a young person or whether you're old, that our Saviour gives you unhesitating testimony that the scripture that we have in our hands is to be accepted as given by God and its great directive is to lead you to the feet of his Son. May the Lord bless this testimony as it goes out, as we trust it will very soon literally to the ends of the earth.